Hope you have your Bibles with you tonight. We're going to be looking at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, there's not much preaching about this, and I'm, you know, it's sad because the Christian is on a different level ground than the lost. In fact, the Christian will not be the child of God, will not be in that great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20, the last five verses. Only the lost will be at that judgment, that great white throne judgment in Revelation. Every lost person in the Old Testament, every lost person in the New Testament, every lost person in the Great Tribulation, every lost uh, person from past, present, and future will appear at the great white throne judgment and they will be whirled into the lake of fire, cast into the lake of fire because they're lost. And, uh, but the Christian will never, ever be condemned to a place called hell. The Christian has been purchased by the blood of Christ and we have reservations in heaven and we are preserved and we're spotless and we're saved by the blood of the lamb and we can look forward to that, praise God. I want you to open up your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 14. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word, Romans chapter 14. This is a very interesting passage of Scripture. Verse, I'm going to back up to verse 7. I don't know whether, Alan, you can do that or not. If not, you can catch up. We'll take off at verse 10 when we get there. But verse 7 of Romans chapter 14. For none of us live, live it to himself, and no man dies to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord, speaking to the Christian. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we sh shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, said the Lord, every knee shall bow unto me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Wow. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10. After we read that, you can be seated. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. This is the believer's judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it is not your final exam to get into heaven. You've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb, you're already citizens of heaven. You're not going to be judged for your sins. You're going to be judged for your stewardship and your faithfulness to God. And it will be a very sobering judgment there at the judgment seat of Christ. Maybe seated. 
I want to entitle this message tonight, Judgment is Coming, All Will Be There. Not only will the lost be at judgment, but the saved, too, will be at judgment. A different place, a different time. The lost will be at the great white throne judgment after the new, uh, just before God creates the new heaven and new earth. And the Christian will be at the great white throne judgment just before Jesus Christ returns to planet earth to set up a thousand-year millennial kingdom. It is not judgment for our sins, but for our faithfulness. I, I'm concerned about Christians. It seems like they just feel like there's no judgment at all. According to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed that the men once to die, but after this, the judgment. I think so many times we think, well, because we're not going to hell, because we're not going to lose our place in heaven, then somehow we'll never be judged. You know, that's not true. All will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will give an account for our life. We will answer to God for how we treat each other. We will answer to God for how we make an honest living. We will answer to God for every idle word that we say. We will answer to God for every sin, not that we're condemned, but that we will answer to God both in this life and in the judgment seat of Christ for deliberate willful sins. There is a chastening that God brings to Christians. The Christian is going to stand before God, the believer, and God is going to judge the Christian. Now, not only is God going to judge the lost, he's going to judge the saved as well, but it's a different kind of judgment. Um, the Romans called the judgment, a Greek word, the bema seat. The Roman judges would get together and they would they would have big Colosseum sports um, activities, and in the Bema seat, they would decide who gets the crown, who gets the award, who gets the degrees of blessing, and they call that the Bema seat. It's the same word that Paul uses. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's called the Bema seat. I am. You know, there, there's a lot of Christians who have the bad attitude. Of, you say, well, what kind of bad attitude they got? They, a lot of Christians have lots of bad attitudes. Sometimes I got a bad attitude. I don't want to hear one amen out there. You do too. But the, the, the beautiful thing is, is God is going to award us and, and give us blessings according to our dedication to the Lord. The Bible says that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's not the great white throne judgment. No believer, and I'm using my words carefully, no born-again child of God will ever go to hell. 
but they all will go to the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone must give an account for their life, whether it be good or whether it be bad. I am... I really think that the church needs to take a second look and a, and a third and a fourth and many looks at the judgment seat of Christ because this thing's not about coming, to, coming together and having a good church service only. It's not about coming together and having a good uh, sermon only, although those are wonderful things. This thing is about living for Christ. This is about giving honor to God. The Bible is very clear that whether we, while we're in this body, we are absent from the Lord, meaning geographically. In fact, in this chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, where it says we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ in verse 10, if you back up to verse 8, it says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. So when, we're, when we vacate the body as a Christian, we will enter into the very presence of God. And the scripture says in verse 9, whether we labor, that whether we present or absent, we may be accepted of him. I am. Um, I asked myself, preparing the sermon what in the world could I present to Christ on that judgment day that would be worthy of any compliments from the Lord? And I must tell you, I couldn't come up with a thing. God, you know, not everyone is going to hear. Now, let me listen to me carefully. Not every believer at the judgment seat of Christ is going to hear the words, well done thy good and faithful servant. Because not every Christian believer is doing a well-done job. And Christ is not going to lie to anyone. So, you know, it's just a compliment. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. I'll bless you. Um, that's... That, starts to be very important to me. I want you to look at John chapter 5, verse 24. St. John chapter 5, verse 24. And I've already made the statement that no Christian will ever be judged and condemned for his sins. Why? Because Jesus Christ took our sins on Calvary and the condemnation for our sins was done on the cross of Calvary as we trust Jesus for our forgiveness of sin. John chapter 5 verse 24 is absolute proof that none, no Christian will ever be judged for his sin except at the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ takes care of it. Notice it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Notice it says, They shall not come into condemnation. Meaning, they shall not be condemned. Because Jesus Christ took our condemnation on the cross of Calvary. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore 
no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. When you get born again, you start walking after the Spirit, not after the flesh. That's what changes things. God changes what we desire. He changes how we live by being born into a brand new family. And that family is called the body of Christ, being a Christian. Paul told Philippians that it's, you know, it's better to be present with the Lord than it is to be down here. He said it's far better to be with the Lord. So we know that if, if someone's just sleeping when they're dead and they're, they're not in heaven, then it wouldn't be far better. And we wouldn't be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when a believer, his body falls or her body falls to sleep in what we're called the dead in Christ, when our body falls to sleep in death, then Jesus Christ is producing a beautiful bride in heaven, and the one who falls asleep physically in death is ushered into the presence of God, and God is forming a bride for Jesus Christ. Example, Adam was put into a deep sleep, and God formed Adam a bride. And so when the church falls into a deep sleep, the bride enters into the presence of God and God prepares great things for us. Isn't that a beautiful, that's a beautiful nugget when you think about that. Every Christian, and I, I'm using my words careful, every Christian will be judged. Every Christian will be judged. In fact, it tells us in Matthew 12, 36, that we'll be judged for every idle word we say. Wow, that's tough. We're told in Hebrews 9, 27, 28, we'll be judged because we're appointed to be judged. We're told in Revelation 14, verse 13, blessed are they that die in the Lord. From henceforth, they shall rest from their labors. Later on, they will be rewarded for their works. Look, look at that. That's a great verse. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, they may rest from their labors, and their works follow them. Let me explain something to you um, that um, will help you understand things much better about when someone passes to the other side. You know, when Jesus Christ comes on that rapture, I don't want to be ashamed. I want to be, I want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, face the Lord in embarrassment. In fact, I mentioned this last, uh, I think it was last Wednesday night, 1 John 2 verse 28 says, and now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. I don't want to be ashamed at his coming. Notice it says that blessed are they who die in the Lord for their works do follow them. Think about what I'm saying. D.L. Moody right now and Charles Spurgeon right now 
who lived in the latter part of the, uh, the early part of the 1800s, Dale Moody, Charles Spurgeon, are in heaven now. They're there. They've been there since, the, since they died in the 1800s. They're, they are in heaven now. They're resting from their labors on the earth. But their works are following them. In other words, the works will follow them, meaning that you can't give an award to Charles Spurgeon or D.L. Moody until all of us who read Charles Spurgeon, who study D.L. Moody, who learn from their sermons, who learn from their, their ministry, who has the blessing handed down after generation after generation, you know, they're still getting rewards. There's still an accumulation. There's going to be a time in which that will cease at the end of the Great Tribulation. If I were to have to say a time frame for the Great White, or not the Great White Throne, but if I had to say a time frame for the judgment seat of Christ, it'll be just before he returns to earth just before Jesus Christ returns with his church. There'll be a judgment and there'll be the awards. But D.L. Moody and Charles Spurgeon are with Jesus Christ now, but they've got to wait till everything they've done accumulates so that they can get a just judgment. They're rewards. I'll give you an illustration in our day. Billy Graham, okay? Even now, Billy Graham is heard around the world. Whether you think much of Billy Graham or don't think much of Billy Graham, that's really none of your business according to Romans chapter 14. It says you're not to be judgmental in any way because you need to mind your own business and make sure your front porch is swept and clean and back porch too when you stand before God. But Billy Graham, I happen to believe he's a great man of God. And all them rewards are being gathered. But Billy Graham can't be judged now because... He can't have his rewards until everything's done. At the end of the great tribulation, then there'll be this judgment seat of Christ. Let me bring it a little closer to you. Terry Wilkins. Terry Wilkins is in heaven right now. He's there right now. And he's not at the judgment seat of Christ. You want to know why? Because we're all going to be with him when that happens. Everybody's going to be with Terry Wilkins. Everybody's going to be with D.L. Moody. Everybody's going to be with Charles Ferguson. Everybody's going to be with Billy Graham. The church is going to gather. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Terry Wilkins. He can't have his, his, his works are following him. We still sing his songs in this church. We still rejoice in the songs he's written in this church. We still listen and still uh, uh, love the ministry that he's given. We still are affected by Terry's life. Let me give you another illustration. Brother Ward. He's with Jesus Christ right now. He doesn't stand before the judgment seat of Christ until we all gather with him. Oh, brother, what a day that will be. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Ward and Terry, but not at the judgment seat of Christ. He said, well, why aren't you looking forward to the judgment seat of Christ? Because I'm not as good as you are. I try, I work hard, but I want you to know I'm not too thrilled about everything I've ever done being 
shouted from the housetop. Not thrilled about everything I've ever done. And, and we're going to be judged for that. Not condemned, but judged so that awards can be given properly to us. Some will shine greater than others in their glorified body. Some will have positions greater than others in their glorified body. Some will have rewards greater than other rewards. Same heaven, same life, same joy, same everlasting life, same woohoo, praise the Lord, same goodness of the Lord, but we'll all have different blessings because of how we serve God down here now. And we, we need to keep sight of that. You know, I, I, I told Alan when I got ready to preach tonight, I said, I'll probably just shotgun it and just go different places because I realized that tonight I'm mainly just trying to get your, your thirst up for uh, being, you know, acknowledging the fact that judgment is coming and all will be there. Will our sins be there at the judgment seat of Christ? I think so. But we'll be forgiven. We won't be condemned. So I can't believe that God will even mention our sins. Well, the question will be this. If you do something horrendous against the church, horrendous as a child of God, that brings embarrassment and, and, and great uh, difficulty to the church of Jesus Christ, how's that not going to be mentioned? That's why we need to be careful. Every man doesn't live to himself. When, when we live, we glorify God. When we die, we also glorify God. At the judgment seat of Christ, we'll be still glorifying God. Amen? Come on now. Now, I'm preaching better than you're responding. You've eaten too much homemade fudge or something. I mean, I don't know what's the matter with you. You've, you've had too much pumpkin pie, something going on there. But I want to show you something that... There's going to be rewards given. Let me just mention real quickly, there's five crowns that will be given at the judgment seat of Christ. Five crowns. And not everybody will get those five crowns. Some won't even get a crown at all. We know according to Revelation chapter 4, verse 10, they'll lay their crowns at the feet of the throne, at the feet of Jesus, at the throne, base of the throne. The four and twenty elders, the church will lay their crowns at the at the throne, at the feet of Jesus Christ. Now, I wouldn't base a doctrine on that or build a doctrine on that, but the truth is that these crowns are to glorify Jesus Christ. There's five crowns. Let me mention them. I'm not going to preach them tonight because of time's sake, and, the, and we'll deal with it later on, maybe next Wednesday night on this judgment seat of Christ. First, there's the incorruptible crown. The incorruptible crown is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. That crown is a never give up crown. That crown is people keep themselves fit spiritually and physically for the Lord. They keep themselves fit. They keep themselves from sin. It's like a race. The second crown is the crown of righteousness. And this crown of righteousness is found in 2 Timothy 4, 8 and Titus 2, 13. And this crown of righteousness is to them that love the coming of Jesus Christ. Them that are looking for Jesus Christ to come at any moment. Them that are keeping themselves clean, looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. That's the crown of righteousness. I think war to get that one. 
I believe Terry will get that one. I'd like to have it myself. You say, why do you want it, preacher? I want to put it at the feet of Jesus. That's why, I, you know, I don't want to be up there without anything. I don't want my hands in my glorified pockets not doing anything. I want, I want to be a blessing. Then there's the crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing is in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, Philippians 4.1. And that is the turned on to reaching others for Jesus Christ. People that are turned on and support the ministry. So winners. People that want to reach out and bring others to Christ. The fourth crown is the crown of life. It's found in James chapter 1 verse 12 and Revelation chapter 2 verse 10. The Revelation 2 verse 10 is the church of Smyrna, the church that was persecuted. This crown is the martyr's crown. Jesus Christ says to Smyrna, be thou faithful even unto death. They die for Jesus Christ. That's the martyr's crown. Not everybody's going to get that one. Not everybody's going to have the joy and the privilege to get that one. I know what you're thinking. Oh, shucks, I wanted that one. No, nobody wants to die. No one wants to be burned at the cross. But, you know, it's a great honor to receive a martyr's crown. I don't assume I'll get one of those. I mean... Just because someone doesn't shake my hand doesn't make me qualified for a martyr's crown. Hello, somebody badmouth me. Don't, doesn't make me, <laughs> I got to move on. <laughs> the fifth crown is the crown of glory. I'd like to have this one. The crown of glory is in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. It is the teachers, the pastors, the preacher's crown. It is the elder, the pastor that serves the Lord that feeds the flock among them that serves God. That is the, the crown of glory, the pastor's crown. I'd, and I'd love to have that. I really would like to have that. You say, well, why do you want it? Well, I'd like to be told by the Lord Jesus Christ that he's pleased with my preaching. He's pleased with my teaching. I, I'd like to have that. Not that I want the crown, but that I could feel that I did my job. This Bible is incredible. The English-speaking Bible, English translated, was done by William Tyndall in the 1500s. William Tyndall gets the martyr's crown because he was burned to death. He was killed for translating the Bible into English or translating it into the layman's term. He was killed for that. He'll get the martyr's crown. Okay, some of you are saying, well, preacher, I, you know, I, I'm just not into crowns. Well, you need to be into something because we're supposed to rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years. And we're supposed to rule and reign in the future. So let's talk about something a little more a little harder. So how could you be any harder, preacher? Well, let's talk about how we're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Paul likens it to a house burning to the ground, to Corinth. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, down to verse 15. 
your whole house will burn to the ground. I used to have a friend, I still have a friend, Mike Dezura. He always would say, it's all going to burn. Mike Dezura always said, it's all going to burn, brother. It's all going to burn. And he wasn't talking about us, any, any Christian going to hell. He was just saying, when it's time for judgment, it's all going to burn. And he was referring to this. Notice it says in verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we lay the foundation. We're going to build a house on the person of Jesus Christ. We're going to build a house on the rock. And we're going to build a foundation that's the foundations of the apostles. We're going to build on the Word of God. We're going to build our house on the Word of God. And we're going to build this house. When do we start building? The minute we get saved. The minute we get born again, we start building a house for God. We start building a work for God. And we're building it on the solid rock, Jesus Christ, on the foundation. When we build it on the foundation, notice what it says in verse 12, now, if any man build upon this foundation, that's the foundation of Christ, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work for what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. This is the judgment seat of Christ. No one takes money with him through the grave to heaven. We came into this world naked, we're going to leave naked. We came into this world with nothing, and the only thing we're going to take to the next world is what Christ has provided for us. We build wood, hay, and stable, it's all going to burn. Just like, just like Mike Dezer always say, it's all going to burn, brother, all going to burn. And what... what uh, Paul has given us is a, an analogy of a building that you build. And when you stand before God, it's going to burn to the ground. Now, what's beautiful about a house burning to the ground, which is not beautiful, but what's beautiful about this house, notice it says, every man's work should be made manifest. Notice the, the, the products. There were three things that were imperishable, three things that fire doesn't destroy. There's three things that fire doesn't destroy. He said, gold, Silver, precious stones. Now, gold is a picture of the glory of God. What we do for the glory of God. What we do to, to, to give God praise and give God glory for the glory of God. We build our house to give God praise to the glory of God. Gold. And then in silver is a picture of redemption, salvation. And we're concerned about others uh, being redeemed, and we're excited about the fact we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The third one is precious stones. And Peter said that we are living stones built up for a house of God, to glorify God. You and I are precious stones. We are stones that are built, and we are living stones and precious stones in which we are building a house. In other words, how connected are we to each other? Hello, am I not welcome in your house? Well, now, preacher, salvation's a personal thing. Am I not welcome in your house? Am I not welcome in your life? Is everybody in this room not welcome in your house? Now, I'm not talking about a house that you live in here 
in, on the earth. I'm talking about the spiritual house. You know, there's people that think they don't even need the church. They think, well, they are the church. Well, they are. They're a mighty small one. The church is a gathered group of people that gather together and give God praise, precious stones. We lead other people to Christ. But when the house catches a fire and it burns to the ground, what burns? Wood, hay, and stubble. It burns to the ground. When you go through the ashes, what do you find? Gold, silver, and precious stones. It's all going to burn, brother. All going to burn. And God says, at the judgment seat of Christ, that is the only thing that's going to stand time. It's going to stand the time of judgment. Is the judgment seat of Christ. I, you know, I'm thrilled about the fact that um, God is going to let us keep things in our life, but it'll be the things that's worthy of keeping, it'll be the things that's worthy of honoring God. And so my question would be this. When you're judged at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be judged for your faithfulness to read the Scriptures. You say, well, I don't remember them. I read them, but I don't remember them. Well, you need to understand this. You take a shower or a bath, and you don't remember all the water drops. But you're cleaner. You can run water through a sieve, a sifter, sieve, and that water runs through it, and you maybe don't catch a drop of that water, but it cleans that sifter. So read. We'll be judged for what we believe the Scriptures. We'll be judged for how we treat the Scriptures. We'll be judged for how we honor God. We're not talking about judged to go to heaven or hell. That's not been taken care of at the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, shed his blood for our sin, went to the grave, got up from the grave, rose again from the grave, give us eternal life that we believe on Jesus Christ. We are forever saved and not one, not one believer, not one child of God is going to go to hell, but every child of God will be judged for their faithfulness. You'll be judged, I think you'll be judged for how seriously you took Jesus Christ. I think you'll be judged for the fact that, you know, the family member says, well, he's just too spiritual. I mean, he's just crazy about church. I mean, he's nuts. He gives money to the church, goes to church. The guy's just off the wall. I mean, he, he's, he's, family treats uh, Christians that way sometimes because the family doesn't understand that you're being bug-eyed for Jesus because something bigger in your heart than just bug-eyed. Amen? Jesus Christ is coming soon. How many would agree that Jesus Christ is coming soon? The Scripture teaches that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Soon He's coming. And we ought to hear those words all the time. Soon, 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 soon. Everybody say soon. I don't remember which child it was, but one of our, one of our children, um, it might have been Josh, it might not have been, but we'll pick on him anyway. One of our children when they was little, they, they got the word soon mixed up with Zoom. And they're, they're flying this airplane, and they're 
supposed to be saying, zoom, 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 zoom. And I don't know which child it was, but one of my children was going, soon, 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 soon. Well, we need to be excited about Jesus Christ is coming soon. We need to be ready. God is going to judge us for how we live. He's going to judge us for the way we support the church, for the way we support each other. He's going to judge us for the way we treat each other. Going to judge us for the way we believe God. We're going to be judged on the basis and merit of our prayer life, the basis and merit of our faithfulness to God. We're going to be judged for all of that. Not condemned, but given reward for our faithfulness to the Lord. Isn't that good? I hope this is helping some of you. I hope you're seeing some things that will help you grow in the Lord. You say, well, not me, preacher. You're making me extremely uncomfortable. Well, the thing is, it's real easy to let the world knock us off the track. It's real easy to let the world get us unfocused. It's real easy to get unfocused and start laying out of church and getting away from prayer getting away from worshiping God. It's real easy to just kind of drift away, drift away and our heart not be first. And we don't have, we, we, we leave our first love for Jesus Christ, kind of lose our prayer life and lose our energy and desire to serve the Lord, kind of lose our seriousness to God. Someone says, well, church don't save anybody, but it is a real good thermometer. It's a real good gauge. Uh, God's going to judge us for those things. And because, you know, we lost someone in our church that's so valuable to us, Ward. Not as valuable to our church as it is to Helen and the family, but we lost, but we really didn't lose him. He just somewhere else. I mean, we know where he's at, so he's not lost, but we feel a loss. I feel a deep loss. Ward is with Jesus now. And I, and I have no doubt on the judgment seat of Christ. And I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there with my glorified elbow to do this to you. Told you. When Ward stands before Jesus Christ, I believe Jesus Christ will say to Ward, you were faithful. I'm going to give you a crown of righteousness. You were faithful. You went when you didn't feel like going, but you went. You served me when you didn't feel like serving me. You didn't let things entangle you and, and distract you. You continued to worship, continued to play the music, you, you went when you didn't feel like it. You pressed on to do. You put everything, for, you put me first. And Ward's going to receive a reward for that. I want some rewards too. And, and you know, one of the sad things about Christians is they think, well, praise God, I don't have to go to hell. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad you don't. I'm glad I don't have to go there. 
But one of the things is, is Christians seem to think, well, I get baptized. You know, I get saved and get baptized. Praise God, I got my security blanket. I've got it all taken care of. So when I die, I'll go to heaven. Praise the Lord. Doesn't, doesn't it mean anything to you that when you stand before Jesus, he'll put a big smile on his face and say, you were such a blessing to me down there. You're so faithful to me. That means something to me. I, I don't want to just barely squeeze into heaven. I don't want to just barely get to heaven. Hello? I want, to, I want to live a life for Jesus Christ so that when I do go, if I go by the way of the grave or by rapture, of course I'm looking for rapture, but if I do go by the way of the grave, I want all my family to say, I know where dad is. I know where he is. And sometimes he just aggravated the tire out of me about his faithfulness to serving the Lord. And, and you know, he, he went overboard. But, you know, after I lay asleep in Jesus Christ and I'm in heaven, my family will have to say, well, you know, you know he, I know where he is. I know dad's in heaven. And one day we'll be judged for the way we serve and treat and honor each other. God's not, you know, there are preachers that says, well, if you don't give to the church, if you don't do certain things, then you're going to be in danger of hell. That's unscriptural. Totally unscriptural. Totally unscriptural for a, pre a preacher to get behind the pulpit and beat people up and tell them you got to do this and do that or you're going to hell. That is totally unscriptural. You're going to go to hell because you're not born again and don't know Jesus Christ. But if you're born again and know Jesus Christ, you'll never go to the lake of fire. You'll never stand at the great white throne judgment. You'll never go to hell because you are a believer, a born again child of God. Now, you will be judged. And I, you know, I use this kind of a, kind of a, I guess in a kind of a corny analogy, but Caleb's a sweet young man, sweet little boy, and, and he, he's kind of like his mother. He just back talks once in a while. Now, I'm teasing like his, like his grandpa, like his Uncle Josh or his Uncle Ben. But, but Caleb... You know, he'll, he'll, he'll get into little, and, and grandma, Grammy will start giving him orders. He'll say, I don't care. And, and Grammy will say, you're not going to get no ice cream you keep acting that way. I don't care. I don't care. But when the ice cream cones start going around to the other grandchildren, he cares. And on judgment day, you'll care. You'll care. We're going to get into this judgment seat of Christ next Wednesday night and more. We're going to get into the crowns. We're going to get into, did you know he's even going to give some of his children cities to rule? He's going to give some of, his, some of his children authority to rule. He's going to give some of his children, some, some of his bride of Christ, he's going to give them, give them important responsibilities. He's going to say to many of them, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. But there'll be others. He won't say that at all. But he will judge every one of us. 
And that is the judgment seat of Christ. That's not the great white throne judgment. I'll never stand at the great white throne judgment. I won't even be there. You say, why do, why do you think you won't be there? Well, I just don't think I'll want to go. And, if I, and I don't think God's going to make me go there. But he is going to make me go to the judgment seat of Christ. And he is going to make me bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is going to make me go there. He is going to judge me. He's going to judge me for how I use my money. He's going to judge me for how I pray. He's going to judge me for how I treat my body in reference to the things of God. He's going to judge me for the way I believe him. He's going to judge me for the way I treat others. He's going to judge me for the way I love others or judge me for the way I talk about others. He's going to judge me for everything I've ever done. He's going to judge me for evil thoughts, not just them passing thoughts that just, you know, zoom. Or maybe soon. And then passing thoughts go through. Well, it's kind of like, I think it was D.L. Moody said this. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head. But you can keep them from building nests in your hair and laying eggs. You know, you can't, you can't stop the bad thoughts when they come your way. But you can bring them into captivity. You don't have to suck them down. When the bad thoughts get in your head, you don't have to oik them down into your heart. Amen? Hello. It's been a few years ago. I, I wasn't really, I was having a hard time at night, and I wasn't thinking, you know, things were bothering me, and I was, you know, anybody had that problem? Your, your brain just going like, and your body wants to go to sleep, but your brain just going bonkers. And so I got up, and went outside, that's back before I got all beat up in the car wreck, and I ran around the house, ran around the house, ran around the house, ran around the house, ran around the house. Judy had left some of the washing clothes on, how many know what I'm talking about, the clothesline? Anybody know what a clothesline is? Some of you young people, God pity your soul. But yeah, clothesline. And, and Judy had washed clothes. And I was running around the house, running around. And each time I wasn't watching, I was getting wider out from the house. And, and we lived down in Galena at that time. I was running around the house. I'm trying to get where I could get these thoughts out of my mind and sleep, sleep nice. And, oh, that's been several years ago. And I was running around, and I ran right under the clothesline. And I got wrapped up in Judy's nightgown. Well, it wasn't much. She was small, but it, so was I at that time. But trust me, I went through the back door. We lived out on the highway, and I'm not going to go out in the front for someone to drive by and see an old man, or at that time, was a young man, see a preacher out there in his wife's nightgown. Well, I wasn't wearing it, but it wrapped around me. And, and, and so I went through the back door into the house. Judy says, what you doing? I said, nothing. Not a thing. She said, uh, okay, you better come back to bed, sweetheart. I went back to bed, slept. I mean, I slept like a baby. I mean, I just went to sleep. The next morning, Judy says to me, some animal has got into my laundry and just tore my nightgown all to pieces. She said, I found it at the step at the back door. She said, I think we've got a bear or something around. 
And I said, Judy, we do. We got one. And it, it's, a, it's a horrible monster. You know, I never did tell her. Now, yeah, you bunch of gossips. She'll know now. But, but anyway, we're going to be judged for what we think. We'll be judged for the way we act. We're going to be judged for how we treat each other. And I think one of the greatest testings for a newborn child of God or a believer is how you treat your spouse and how you treat your children and how you treat your friends and those that come to church and love the Lord because it's all a test. It's all a time of proving. When I stand on judgment day, I'm sure there'll be some things that I won't want Jesus to reveal, but he will. And I'll be okay with it. Because who's going to tell Jesus what he can do and can't do? So the main thing is we get a good, clear record from here on, right? The judgment seat of Christ. Stand with me. <coughs> Hope you enjoyed tonight. Did, you, did anybody enjoy tonight? Huh? I am. Uh, I'm grateful for the blessing of the Lord. I'm grateful for God's goodness. And next Wednesday, we're going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to get into the crowns. <coughs> we're going to get into the degrees of service. And we're going to take a look at the judgment seat of Christ because God's children will be judged. Get it out of your head. You're not going to be judged. You will be judged. You just won't be condemned. You just won't be condemned. And you won't be put in the fire, the lake of fire, because you are saved. <clears throat> and we're saved to what? What, what did Timothy, what did Paul tell Timothy? <clears throat> we're saved unto good works we are his workmanship saved under good works that's what God wants us to do serve him and then when a loved one goes on to be with the Lord wait it'll happen judgment seat will take place probably just before the return to the earth just before earth's re-entry and we'll be all ready to go good to go good to go God's going to sing. We're giving an invitation. <laughs>